Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, Marina, good morning to you all and uh, welcome into the show for this Monday morning, a review type show of uh, all the action that was on over the weekend, talk to some key commentators and uh, players that were involved. Uh, this is all courtesy of Brand, of course, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Uh, they are the people in charge of the green machines and uh, all uh, agricultural advice actually and there's plenty needed around the place at the moment. So we'll focus on uh, Super Rugby in particular with Jeff Wilson very shortly. Uh, and then after that, uh, we shall uh, perhaps talk about uh, a bit of football that's happened over the weekend. The EPL, absolutely fascinating at the, well, not so much at the top now. I think uh, Arsenal won't have done their chips, but uh, certainly down the bottom of it, that's a real talking point and so much at stake there financially and uh, status-wise. Um, after 10 o'clock, uh, we'll catch up with uh, Stuff's Mark Hinton uh, and we'll look at uh, basketball with Mark. Uh, the Sal's NBL, and of course, uh, what's going on in the NBA. I can tell you right here and now, in Game 7 between the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers, and the Boston Celtics, it's 57-55. They've just started the third quarter there, uh, and that is in favour of the Boston Celtics at home. Uh, very, very interesting. Right, uh, we'll also talk to Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley on the panel this morning. Uh, we'll take your texts on double eight double three any time about your reaction to what's happened over the weekend. Uh, and also we'll look at uh, the NRL and the key results over the weekend. Of course, the Warriors, the highlight for us here, knocking over the Bulldogs. Uh, so plenty to come, including a stumped uh, smithy at around about uh, 11.30 this morning. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, one of Hawke's Bay's favourite sons passed away over the weekend and County's Monaco fans will also claim the great Bruce Robertson. He played 135 times in the stripes back in the day when they had numbers on the front and the back of the jersey. They were good County's teams. Really good. I only met him once briefly, but it's hard to find anyone to speak anything but complimentary about him. A great guy, a great teammate, a great centre and a great All Black from an immensely talented sporting family. Some might say he was Conrad Smith-like in his style. Others may say Conrad Smith was like Bruce Robertson, a thinking, calculating centre with an eye for a gap and an opportunity, but mistake-free footy. Wingers thrived outside him. Billy Osborne thrived inside him as well. They were a terrific combo. They were just a given as opposed to today's conundrum as New Zealand rugby selectors look to sort out its centre pairing. Is it Lennon Brown and Godhue? Is it Haveli and uh, Ioani? Or is it Geordie and RTS? Is RTS still in the frame? I mean, who is it? It was always Osborne and Robertson back in the late 70s, early 80s. No headaches there. And while the Chiefs hit a road bump on Friday night and an unlikely one in the Reds, those nuggets, oh, those nuggets just carry on, don't they? Remember coach uh, Brad Thorne for the Reds uh, about a month ago telling the world he's taken them as far as he can, so his time is up? Well, maybe it isn't, Brad. Uh, certainly for Brent Matahiri, his Otago roster 
continue their roll down in the deep south. It just continues on. Who's going to stop their mighty Otago Nuggets? No one, it appears. And what will this mean for the mighty coach? A gig higher up, methinks. Yep, well, it's nose to the grindstone for the supersides. It's back-to-back for the Nuggets. Another Otago dynasty is confirmed. Radio. Uh, speaking of Otago dynasties, let's talk to uh, one of their favourite uh, sons, uh, Jeff Wilson, of course, a former terrific Highlander and uh, Otago player, and also, of course, a terrific All Black these days, uh, applying his trade uh, with the microphone for Sky Sport. Of course, uh, of course, doing a great job on uh, the breakdown, of course, commentary and hosting duties as well. Jeff, good morning to you. G'day, Smitty. How are you going? Oh, I'm going really well. Um, I was just doing a bit of a calculation. During the great uh, Bruce Robertson, Billy Osborne era, I think you'd have been about seven or eight. Any memories of those or any talk over the weekend of Bruce Robertson's passing? Oh, absolutely. Um, and and more, more, more importantly for us, uh, he was such a great man, uh, a great man to talk to and chat to, and I spoke to him on a number of occasions. And look, growing up, um, you know, he was... He was it. He was the centre. He was the guy. You know, like he was. Um, he had beautiful speed, wonderful skills. Was a great, great. Player. And you know, before Conrad Smith, he was the guy. And even then, you know, talk to that generation. Um, my my parents' generation, my dad's generation. It was Bruce Robertson. The way that he played the game. So it was absolutely quite a bit of chat. An absolute um, tragedy to lose him. Uh, you know, of course, our thoughts with the family. But you know, we'll always go down as a um, a fantastic rugby player, but a great bloke. Yep, absolutely. Uh, terrific tribute there, Jeff. Uh, let's get into uh, the action on the field over the weekend. And that was uh, just a bit of a speed bump, wasn't it, for the Chiefs on uh, Friday night? I'm not sure anyone saw that coming uh, in New Plymouth, but it did. Yeah, yeah, it was strange. It was. I mean, I was there, I was working on the game. It was great to be in New Plymouth at Garrow Stadium. Um, the Reds came to play. You look at early, early on, you know, the Chiefs had a number of chances to just... I suppose give them the old, the old saying punch in the mouth you know like straight out of the gate and they didn't take it and you saw in the second 40 minutes that the Reds all of a sudden believed that they could get an upset and um, look you take out some critical pieces to a puzzle now no Samasoni Tokiaho no Sam Kane there was no Brody Wittalik and Brad Weber all of a sudden I mean there's a spine of your team now a lot of the replacements yes have got talent you know have got experience but when it came down to winning a close game like that you sort of needed that little bit of extra punch and that little bit, um, little bit more towards the end. And you know, I think they'll be bitterly disappointed. I bumped into Sam Kane actually after the game, and they were deeply upset the fact they hadn't got the job done. Has it put them under any real pressure? <clears throat> yeah, a little bit now because they've still got to play the Brumbies, and you know they've still got a comfortable lead on top of the table. But the reality is, their second to last game of the competition is against the team that's sitting just in behind them now. And, They'll have a job to do to make sure they get the job done. And that's, that's a way in Canberra as well. So, so all of a sudden, the context of, you know, um, where they're at, good reality check, though, Smithy, that you can't rest mm-hmm. on your laurels. You can't, um, I shouldn't say rest, because a lot of players are getting plenty of that. Um, but you can't um, sit on your laurels. <laughs> You've got to go out there and make sure you prepare properly every game. Yeah, absolutely. I get your I get your point in the background there too, Jeff. Uh, very well made. <laughs> um, now here's a, a let's let's just can we just stay on the Brumbies actually because the Highlander was Highlanders were there or thereabouts for about an hour yesterday, but they just faded away in that last quarter. Um, 
Look, they still weren't very accurate, the Highlanders. I think the Brumbies will look at that game and go, I, I think they'll count themselves very, very lucky because the Highlanders had a great opportunity to do exactly what the Reds had done, you know, to, to get yourself back in this competition, and they missed that. Um, there's just something not quite there this year for the Highlanders, and the group had shown and created enough, but they just didn't show that accuracy and intensity for the full 80. Um, I think this is more testament to the Brumbies. They're actually a, they're a pretty good side. You know, they're, they're pretty, they know who they are. Um, they play some really good football. Uh, they've got some a little bit of X factor, which is which is great for them, and, and they add something a little bit different to this competition out of Australia. So I, I do I do like what they're doing, um, but they weren't they weren't great either. Uh, they know they've escaped and 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 done well to get the result in the end. Um, Jeff, before we get to uh, the game that uh, I guess was the talking point going into the weekend and the Crusaders and the Blues, just a word, uh, <coughs> Hurricanes ruthless in the end, 71-22. I, I'm just, um, I'm quite, I'm more than slightly concerned about uh, Moana Pacifica now. They sit at the bottom of the table, just three points. They were very close on a couple of occasions. But is it a case now, we know we're looking for three super coaches. Could we be looking for maybe four? Oh, I'm deeply concerned. Um, and, and it's not because they're not making and trying and making an effort, because clearly they are. You watch these guys out there, and they're, and they're, they're giving it they every, everything they can. I think they'll do a, a, a deep dive and big review. We love a review, but they need one after the season to, to talk about the direction that they go and, and how they can get themselves into a position to be more competitive and what it is they're missing right now. And, you know, there's some guys who got opportunities on the weekend, but, look, they, didn't, they started reasonably well. The, the Hurricanes sort of you could tell were a little bit relaxed uh, about um, the match even going into it there wasn't a great uh, great deal of I suppose intensity around the stadium and then when they started to get on their game it was one way traffic and that could have been that could have been a lot worse you know if the Hurricanes had come out absolutely firing so they'll have to look deeply Aaron Major and their crew and I think even the back room uh, and the, the board and everything else to start looking at where they're at now they're two years in um, look they've they, they made a number of changes because pretty much they've rolled out the same team for the first uh, 10 rounds, 10 games, and it, it was going to be a big ask for those guys to continue to play for, the, for three more weeks. So, look, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, Smithy. Um, they've got to look at something. And, and look, ultimately, um, you know, I, they're, they're, different, they're a different proposition than the Fiji and Drua. Drua had their own player base based in, coming out of Fiji. You know, most of these players are, are New Zealand players or playing in New Zealand, um, playing NPC, and they sort of play a similar style to everyone else. And, you know, I, I think there's a number of things they'll need to look at to, to set them on the right path going forward because clearly it's not quite there yet. No, clearly not. Absolutely. Right, OK, let's uh, look at um, uh, the Crusaders 15, the Blues 3 in the process. Uh, losing uh, Dalton Popoletti was not good, not a good thing uh, so early in the match. Never a good thing at any stage, but to lose him at that point. Uh, I think little doubt about that, Jeff. in all honesty. Um, look, this was really interesting sitting and watching it, actually. I was in, I was in Wellington. I worked on the Wellington game, the Hurricanes game. And as I was watching this, it, whether or not it's because there's a familiarity between the two teams... But pretty much they just bludgeoned each other for 80 minutes. Um, the defences were dominant. I took a couple of plays from the Crusaders. A really uh, um, nice piece of work from Cody Taylor off the back of a line-out drive. And then um, after a clear knock-on that was missed, the Crusaders got the buffer they needed to be able to shut out the game. If I had concerns, Smithy, there's a lot of quality players in both of those sides. And the attacking game and variation from both teams was lacking. And that's why we saw so few points. Um, the defences were just too dominant. So 
I think there's some question marks around, I think, both of those sides in terms of their attacking game. But a lot of that can be put down to a desperation on both sides on the defensive side of the game. But, look, it just made it took a couple of plays. Um, this is a, a snapshot of what playoff rugby is going to be like. Um, you head to Christchurch, you probably go to Hamilton. This is what you're facing. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so do we... Let's look at uh, the centre pairings, and uh, I mentioned it before, on the back of uh, the Robertson and Osborne being such a constant. Where are we at, Jeff? in all honesty, do you think? In the midfield, look, it was a really good evening for David Harvillia and Braden Enoch. But, I mean, what, what uh, we had a chat on the breakdown last night to um, Jason Ryan, and, and you get the sense, and he even made the statement that, you know, um, international rugby is a significant step up from Super Rugby. And so for guys to play their way into the All Blacks with form, they're going to have to have a really, really strong last five or six weeks now. If they've done some nice work up until now, they'll be in the conversation, but they've got to finish really strongly. So, look, Anton Leonard-Brown is back out there, and he's a player that he does, from time to time, need a little bit of uh, rugby, some playing, but he he looks good. You know, he's the insurance policy the All Blacks will have and need with his experience you're going to take him. David Harvey showed just with that one little touch on the weekend with that dummy with the one-handed pass uh, that he didn't give, created some space. He started to, in the last couple of weeks, show some really good signs. And then, look, Jordy Barrett probably hasn't been as dominant um, as I would probably expect um, in in some of his games so far, but um, he certainly last year showed in the all-black jersey. There's, There's no issues there. The one, the one concern, and, and and I'm not really concerned about Rico Ioane because he's playing in a team right now which is not really giving him an opportunity to, to shine. He's not really seeing any space. They're not creating a lot for him. And like I say, they're being so direct, taking away from one of his greatest assets, and that's his speed. Um, and so mm. I think it's very similar to Caleb Clark. You know, they're not seeing opportunities. So I think we know who they are. I just think maybe from the two guys who started last year in the last few test matches in Barrett and Ioane, um, it would be probably nice just to see them having a couple of good breakout games and, and really just really confirm what we know about their ability. Where do you think uh, Bowden Barrett is with his game? We've had a couple of texts saying and he's just pacing himself through uh, the season. Other people saying he made a mistake leaving the Canes in the first place. In World Cup year, um, with question marks over certain positions, where do you see Bowden Barrett at the moment? Well, that's, I mean, look, that's a really, really difficult question because you have to have great faith, if, you know, and, and we, we're just relying heavily on his experience to to come through and, and when he gets back into the All Blacks, be able to turn it on. Um, sometimes it's just not that easy, you know, and, and as a player, I know it myself when, I, you know... I, you go through periods where you're not being as impactful in the game as you'd like to be. He'll know that he's not being as impactful. Now, there was one brilliant moment where it could have turned the game and given the Blues an opportunity um, uh, on the weekend to beat the Crusaders with a little chip kick and then he kicks it again and, you know, um, bounces the ball and he could have scored a wonderful try. But is that enough for us to have confidence that, oh, yeah, he can turn it on whenever he likes and he can he manage a game? Um, this is the biggest challenge I think they have right now with selection in regards to actually not necessarily who's going to be in the squad, but who's going to start and what mm-hmm. is it their game? Are they going to just continue on with what they built on last year? But that would mean Bowden Barrett's a fullback. And at the moment, I, I just I just struggle. I just struggle to, to 
to, to see him in as this as a starting first five or fullback in comparison to other players who are out there. I find it hard to do mm-hmm. that. You know, I, I think some guys have just shown more um, right now, and 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 whether or not um, the All Black coaches see it that way, I don't know. But just for me, we need to see more from him. Clearly, right. Oh, look, I, I totally agree, um, and I, I also have got to ask the question because he's probably, as you well know, the most talked about player that isn't playing even at the moment is uh, Roger Tuovasa-Shek. Where are we with Roger Tuovasa-Shek, Jeff? And, um, uh, you know, the, the Warriors gave him an early window to come back. Uh, I just wonder where the window is at the moment for rugby and Roger Tuovasa-Shek to repay the compliment. Yeah, look, I... I, I, these are just conversations I think um, the All Blacks should have with the Blues, the Blues should have with Roger and go, you know what, this is where you sit right now. I find it very difficult to believe he could be selected in the All Blacks if he's not playing, if he's not even in the 23 for the Blues. Um, you know, things just haven't quite worked out. He just hasn't had that long enough period of time, I think, to develop the skills you need for the highest level. And He's given it a decent crack and... You know, at the moment, if the Blues are in a position where they're seeing better options for them, not just in the starting lineup, but on the bench, then surely, surely they need to be honest about where he's, he's sitting. And the, the only challenge for the Blues is, is that, you know, they'd probably like to have him there as insurance, right? Just in case they lost someone. And you know, if if Harry Plummer or Rico Yuani or, you know, if, if Bruce Price team went down, I think they'd like to have him there. Um, but is that is that good for? For Roger, I mean, the one thing he is, I'll say this about him, he's a great professional. And if they think they need him and they have the conversation and he, he'll he he'll stay on task, he'll keep working, and wherever he goes, look, I, I, I believe um, he, needs to, he needs to get a crack, you know. Um, and if he went back to the Warriors, I think that would be good for them as well. I do too. I really do. I think, um, really speaking, uh, you know, your heart sometimes... Uh, your heart follows your mind in terms of wh- where your future is, and we know where his future is. Uh, okay, just uh, f- just finally, uh, Jeff, uh, your other pet subject, of course, uh, one of many, um, is basketball. Celtic 76, uh, 76 is 58, so it looks like they're going to win game seven. Uh, who's your team, and what are you thinking, NBA? Well, Boston's my team, and I just had it on pause, so I didn't know that, because I just paused at half. Oh, time. sorry. So come and speak to you. You're just... <laughs> I sort of told you that. Look, I'm I'm just really stoked. I mean, um, stoked that um, we're seeing the best out of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Boston's my team. I'm hoping they can get through this one um, yeah. because Boston Miami will be Miami will be awesome. But the Lakers Nuggets. I mean, it, sometimes there are you know like it was, I remember you know it was getting to the end of Michael Jordan's career and and he he wasn't having he wasn't having a real impact impact on the NBA when he was with the Washington Wizards. We're now we're seeing LeBron James at the age of 38. Um, with this group and with this team, have another crack at an NBA championship. Sometimes, if you're if you're a fan of a sport like I am, I, I just want to see the best players play for as long as I can, and, and that's what we're getting with the NBA. And go Boston! I'll go and catch up on the game. <laughs> okay. Good luck, mate. Um, I won't tell you the score again. Uh, so here you go, uh, <laughs> Jeff Wilson. <laughs> Jeff Wilson, thank you very very much for your summation. I always enjoy your very open and honest views uh, as I do in the breakdown and everything else. Mate, thank you very much uh, for your time. Enjoy Game 7. I think you might. All right. Thanks very much, Smithy. Always a pleasure. Cheers, Cheers, uh, Jeff Wilson there um, coming in uh, with his thoughts on Super Rugby over the weekend. So what did you make of all that? Um, A lot of people have had a lot of thoughts about 
The fact that uh, it's time's up for Roger Torvarsashek, I totally agree. If you can't make the 23 for the Blues for a crucial game against the Crusaders, if you're not seen as being in the mix for that, I've got to be thinking, um, really? Um, you know, your time's probably up, to be honest. Um, and then, of course, um, maybe uh, the older people in the audience uh, might might be able to just give a quick uh, text on uh, maybe what Bruce Robertson was for them back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, the combination with Billy Osborne, just how damn good it was. So we'd love to hear from you if uh, there's a chance on that as well. Warriors over the weekend, double eight, double three, what'd you think? Away to the Bulldogs, got the job done. I don't think they were really ever in the going down the stretch, ever in any danger of losing. They looked mighty good there. So double eight, double three is our text number. Any issues that you'd like uh, to bring up, we shall read them out. It is 9.23 here on SCNZ. All winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Yes, uh, it's now 80 to 58. Sorry, Jeff Wilson. 80 to 58, uh, the Boston Celtics uh, with 2 minutes 39 to go in the third quarter. Looks as if uh, the Celtics will be marching on. Right, uh, let's uh, have a look at uh, a couple of texts. Um, Dino's come in, uh, bloody perfect, back in the 70s it worked, consistently selected, so why has rotation become a false belief that it works? The only change to that pairing was, I believe, better than the, both the late Jake, Joe Morgan. Even Bill Osborne told me Joe was amazingly simply because he saw holes in defences that no one else did. Um, also coming in from Steve, good morning, uh, Smithy. My thoughts go out to Bruce Robertson's family. To me, he's the greatest centre I have ever seen. Conrad not far behind. Unlike these days where we have to turn players into centres, he was a natural. Loved the way he seemed to glide around the paddock and his silky skills. Rest in peace, Bruce. A terrific tribute and a great observation too. Um, Steve, thank you very much for that. Glenn says, good morning, Smithy. Regarding RTS, I think he should keep playing hard. If he finishes the season well, he could still go to the World Cup. He will only get better, and no one knows how injuries will affect the midfield. Look at Beaver in 2011. Don't give up, Roger. Good observation too, Glenn. It is 9.30 here on SENZ. Time for some news. And when we come back, we might uh, talk a bit of footy, I reckon. The beautiful game, because it's getting so interesting. It really is. Here on SENZ, please keep those texts coming in. There's some nice little tributes coming in uh, for Bruce Robertson, and uh, we'll read them out, please. Uh, the older people in the audience will remember Bruce Robertson and Bill Osborne together. Uh, they were absolutely fantastic. Bit of Joe Morgan in there as well, but Bruce Robertson um, was absolutely fantastic. So uh, just uh, text us on double eight double three. The other thing you could text us on is uh, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck because we've got. Um, Oh, I guess conflicting interests there in terms of whether he should stay uh, with rugby and hang in there and you just never know with uh, injuries etc and boy have they had injuries in the midfield no doubt about that uh, he may well sneak in the back door of uh, that World Cup squad being named oh I guess around about uh, September or August at September he might just uh, want to hang in there which means uh, he might have to end up playing um, a little bit of uh, NPC rugby for Auckland as well to stay uh, rugby fit as such or should um, should he just um, jump the fence now? And I'm not quite sure uh, whether he can just go straight in. I know there's a place in the squad still. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're holding an open space, the, war- uh, the Warriors. Uh, whether there's any problem with them going across there, I do not know. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll uh, wait and see if we can get anything more on that. 
Um, okay, Ricardo Ball, come on in, please, because let's talk some football. Leeds 2, Newcastle 2, Southampton 0, Fulham 2, Chelsea 2, Forest 2, Villa 2, Spurs 1, hopeless. Manchester United 2, Wolves 0, Crystal Palace 2, Bournemouth 0, and this morning, games of real interest, Everton 0, in trouble, Manchester City 3, dominant, uh, Brentford 2, um, uh, West Ham 0, uh, and then another one, I think, which has sealed their fate as well. Arsenal nil, Brighton three. So three matches this morning. And uh, it uh, places everyone quite precariously. I, I think Manchester City at the top, but the bottom is a real interest. Yeah, the bottom is really interesting. So the, uh, that result for Southampton at home uh, against Fulham, two, losing 2-0, has condemned them. They, they, they're gone now. They can't stay up. So Southampton, are 11 years in the Premier League, is done. They'll be a championship side next season. And you can't really argue it either. I was just looking at some of the stats. Uh, I mean, they've played 36 games this season, Smithy, in the, in the Premier League. Uh, they have only... They uh, they they have uh, only um, managed to get something out of a third of those games. So they've won and drawn twelve, and they've lost twenty four. Uh, you can't lose twenty four games out of thirty six and expect to stay up. No, you can't, certainly cannot. Um, and you know, uh, I remember the story of Leicester was absolutely fantastic. I think it's about seven years ago now when Jamie yep. Vardy was absolutely um, on fire. He's still there trying to dig them out of a hole here and it's not looking good and they have a massive game tomorrow with Liverpool. Yeah, they do. They've, uh, you know, it's really it's a game at hand that they have on all the others that are down there as well. So they really need to get something out of this game. They are at home. Uh, I mean, and their finish is tough, right? So they got Liverpool at home. Then they're away at Newcastle next weekend, and they finish at home to West Ham. That could be a crucial game. West Ham probably going to be safe by then, and potentially will have a Euro- European final on their books as well. So that might be one that they target three points from. But I think they need to get something else out of the two games before that as well okay so we're really this is how it shapes up down the bottom let southampton done and dusted uh 24 no no uh, worries there they, they're gone uh leicester sit uh with a, a game in hand as you say uh on 30 points leads one point above them having played a game more and then you're looking at uh everton who precariously are placed uh with two games to go on 32 forest 34 west ham probably safe as you say but uh, so Forest, Everton, Leeds, Leicester. That's the way it looks to me. Yeah, it looks that way, mate. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, Everton, I don't think ever realistically thought they were going to get anything out of Manchester City today, right? Uh, so their, their focus will be on, on what's to come. And what's to come for them? Well, they've got Wolves away who are safe for the season. They might be on the beach uh, a little bit. And then they finish at home to Bournemouth. Another team, nothing to play for. No European uh, distractions. And uh, they are safe as well. They may also be, as I say, you know, on the beach. So I, th- I think Everton can get points uh, from what they've got to come. Leeds, though... Interesting. They are away at West Ham their next game. That could be a crucial game for both clubs. And they finish at home. They finish at home to Spurs. Well, I mean, goodness me, Spurs do so many sides' (laughs) (laughs) favours. And and I mean, for Spurs, I mean, in all honesty, Spurs fans, uh, absolutely probably one of the most frustrated bunch of fans in the world, uh, to be perfectly honest. But 
have had managerial issues this year, as have uh, Chelsea had managerial issues. What are the situations there? Do you have any inside info? Yeah, well, it looks like uh, the former Spurs boss, uh, Pochettino, Mauricio Pochettino, is going to go to Chelsea. It uh, looks all but done. Hasn't officially been announced yet. Sky Sports UK are reporting it, though. So when it gets to that point uh, that they're reporting it, it's just a matter of time. So Pochettino, he's not going to come in this season. So Frank Lampard will finish the season as boss, uh, interim boss there at Chelsea. And then Pochettino will, be, will begin now, and he will start working with the board on the players he wants to keep, players he wants to sell, etc., and then come in the first of June and, and take over the club. Spurs, though, on the other hand, uh, no idea uh, because I don't think they have any idea. I mean, their, their sporting uh, director, um, Peter Ticci, uh, who came from Juventus, has been caught up in the scandal that uh, Juventus have been involved in as well, and he's been banned by FIFA from all football, so he's had to step down. So they don't have a sporting director at the moment, uh, and they don't seem to be able to attract anybody who wants to manage the club. And a lot of it is down to what's going to happen with Harry Kane. He's got a year left on his deal with Spurs. Uh, The uh, club is saying that if he wants to leave or if anybody wants to buy him, he's going to cost $100 which I don't know that anybody's going to pay $100 for a 29-year-old with one year left on his deal, regardless of how many goals he scores. Uh, So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the latest is Julian Nagelsmann who was the Bayern boss and a lot of people thought was nailed on to be the next Spurs boss, apparently hasn't even talked to Spurs and isn't being considered, which is interesting. The latest I've heard is that Ryan Mason, who's the currently the 31-year-old academy coach who came through the Spurs ranks and had to retire early because of a skull fracture, uh, is being considered as uh, being put in charge of the team uh, for next season. Um, which I think if you're a Spurs fan, it's a great story. And Ryan Mason's playing it up, saying Eddie Howe was 31 when he took over Bournemouth. Um, mm. I, I, I think that'd be hugely underwhelming. And the other thing that you've got to think about is players. You know, How do you attract players with him as manager? Often you need to have a big-name manager to attract the best players. So if they don't find an answer to this and they go with Ryan Mason, it could be a few lean years coming uh, Spurs' way. Oh, great. Thanks for that. Uh, hey. Thanks for the heads up. Hey, any right, uh, let's <laughs> Okay, let's look at uh, your side then. Uh, at this stage, you're uh, third equal with Newcastle, fourth on goal difference at mm. this point, uh, with Liverpool four points behind. Now, tell us the significance of finishing fourth and fifth. The significance of finishing fourth is you're in the Champions League. Fifth, you're in the Europa League. Okay, so there's that, which is you obviously that that spells it out for itself, um, and 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 the money is a, is is big. It's a big difference between playing Europa League and playing Champions League. But the other thing that it does is it means that if you play Europa League, you tend to play on a Thursday, which means you don't tend to get too many Saturday games during the season. You end up playing Sundays a lot. So you end up playing, what mm. you know, that's Friday morning New Zealand time, Monday morning New Zealand time versus playing Saturdays. And that throws things out of whack uh, in terms of cup competitions, in terms of, in terms of the season in general. A lot of clubs find it hard to compete in the league if they're playing Europa League, particularly if they go deep. So uh, that is uh, something to watch there as well because uh, it's a, there's a lot of games and uh, if you're having to play that way uh, and then get thrown an FA Cup draw as well um, it can be just too much we've seen that I think with United uh, at times this season the Thursday to Sunday grind has just gotten too much at times mm, Right okay uh, that is the situation in the uh, EPL whilst uh, Wrexham I think are in Las Vegas partying <laughs> yeah. last I heard what a, st- what a story that is I mean okay the uh, it's just a, a fantastic, fantastic story. 
Oh, it's a great story, and I'm looking forward to season two of Welcome to Wrexham because that, that is going to be absolutely blinding. Uh, it be interesting to see what they do next year. I've actually heard that Tom Glover, who is the Melbourne City keeper, who's been very, very good in the A-League this year, made some outstanding saves uh, through the season. Uh, he's out of contract at the end of the season. I've heard that he's got a pre-contract deal with Wrexham to go there. Um, so that would suggest that if he's going to go there, maybe Ben Foster doesn't uh, uh, continue his comeback from retirement. It's just a, a you know a few months done and dusted and he goes back to retirement, the uh, former England keeper uh, who's been helping Wrexham out. But uh, So that is something. But yeah, they'll be in League 2 next season. I mean, they've already got about four or five players that have played as high as League One before Smithy. Um, mm. So I think they're well equipped. And, you know, we've seen quite a few teams who have gone out of the National League, as it's called, into League Two and then gone straight up to League One as well. And I reckon Wrexham are odds on to probably do the same next season. The Sting seems to have gone out of the A League uh, as soon as Phoenix uh, left uh, in terms of losing the playoffs to uh, Adelaide. Uh, you better just give us a quick update on where that sits because uh, I'm, I'm guilty also of uh, turning off it a wee bit. Yeah, no worries. Uh, well, so Adelaide, who beat the Phoenix, are, uh, what, what happened then is basically you got to the final four, then it goes to home and away, semi-finals. Uh, so Adelaide hosted the Central Coast Mariners, who finished second in the uh, regular season uh, and lost 2-1 in Adelaide on the weekend. So they've got to go up to the uh, the Central Coast and, and get a result this weekend if they want to uh, have a crack at the A-League Grand Final. And the other two two teams are Sydney FC and Melbourne City. They played out a one-all draw in Sydney on the weekend, so they go back to Melbourne uh, this weekend, and you'd have to say that uh, you'd, you'd put City as favourites in that one. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if Adelaide get through this, though, because the A-League, of course, Smithy, uh, have done a deal with Sydney to play their next three grand finals in Sydney, and uh, there's every chance it's Adelaide versus Melbourne City in Sydney um, for the grand final, which would be interesting to see how, what sort of effect that is on the crowd. Absolutely brilliant. Fantastic. Okay, thanks that, Ricardo, for that round the houses and uh, really uh, appreciate that. I can tell you that um, Jason Day fans, uh, and he's got plenty of them around the world, he's an immensely popular golfer from Australia. He has just won the Byron Nelson, uh, the latest leg on the PGA Tour, his first win for quite some time. He's had terrible injuries, back injuries in particular, uh, but he has uh, hung, hung in and hung tough there to win by one shot from uh, S.W. Kin and a player who I don't know too much about with the surname Eckroat. We'll find out more about him and then C.T. Pan and Scotty Scheffler who was a bit wayward coming down the stretch. So great news for Jason Day fans, Australian golf fans and the latest in the basketball, I think the 76ers have hung their queue up to be perfectly honest uh, because it's the Celtics 93 and the 76ers 68. Done, I think you have to say. Stick a fork in them. It's 944 here on SENZ. Service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away And know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we got three out of four over the weekend. The Warriors, yes, beat the Bulldogs. The Panthers beat the Roosters. The Brumbies beat the Highlanders. But Breve lost to Cast, and uh, they lost by three points. So that was a dollar forty last leg. So we missed out on a five dollar multi there. So today and uh, tomorrow we've got uh, teams in action tonight as well, actually. Uh, so we've got uh, Liverpool to beat Leicester. I don't think uh, Leicester have got much hope there. 
Uh, Liverpool to beat Leicester. They'll be playing out of desperation. Dollar fifty-three. Uh, I've got a Monday night netty bet. Uh, don't mind a bit of Monday night netty. Uh, the Steel gets the Stars tonight, and I'm going for under 107.5 goals. Under 107.5 goals at a dollar eighty-five. Uh, and in uh, IPO action, the Gujarat Titans to beat the Sunrisers Hyderabad. Gujarat to beat the Sunrisers at a dollar sixty. Uh, the return for that would be four dollars forty. Uh, some wonderful texts coming in, uh, re uh, Bruce Robertson. Um, yeah, I mean, immensely popular. Richard has said, um, as an avid Counties fan growing up as a young fella, BJ Robertson was an absolute idol and still is. He formed a great combo with another Hawks Bay product and Graham Taylor at second five. I remember him having a great battle against BG at uh, Pookie Stadium. Uh, when he happened to be playing centre for Auckland. The biggest NPC crowd ever, 49,000 people uh, at uh, Eden Park. was a shield game, uh, 1979. Crucially, BJ got injured in the first 15 minutes and Counties ended up losing 11-9. A legendary game in Counties folklore. Also, he was brought up, brought in as a tour replacement against Australia in 1980, and uh, you may remember that as well. So, yeah, thanks very much uh, for that, Richard, and keep them coming in. Happy to read them out, uh, and there's uh, more more for that purpose too. 9.51 here on SENZ. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, the Celtics lead by 30 now. There was uh, no coming back, 108 to 78 with uh, just under four minutes to go in the final quarter. So uh, they're through. Uh, look, really looking forward to uh, talking a bit of basketball, actually, uh, coming up after 10 o'clock with uh, Mark Hinton. Of course, Mark is uh, senior stuff, sports writer, and uh, he's got a real passion for basketball. So uh, we will talk uh, to him at length about uh, what he's seen in the Sal's uh, NBL, of course, and uh, also... Uh, what he has uh, seen really in terms of uh, the NBA and the matchup between uh, Jokic, uh, the big uh, the big man for uh, for the Denver Nuggets uh, against Anthony Davis, the big man for the Lakers. Uh, that'll be interesting coming up. I think game one in that series tips off uh, on Wednesday our time. Uh, Graham uh, from Marlborough, formerly from Northland, of course. Uh, Morning Smithy, I'm really hacked off with RTS situation. There was a time when the black jersey was sacred. Now a guy can come and play 30 minutes of rugby and be handed an all-black jersey. Uh, just had uh, JK saying 18, for 18 months to get uh, RTS into the All Blacks. Now he's saying let him go uh, back to uh, the league. Sick of hearing what uh, they think. Just imagine the players who could have benefited from uh, being in an All Blacks environment like Alex Nankerville. Thomas Umunga Jensen and the like. We wonder why we get beaten by Ireland and Argentina. Really disappointed in NZRU and some of the decisions they are making. Yes, it is, uh, Graham. Uh, it was an experiment, wasn't it? Uh, we tried it with uh, Benji Marshall too. Uh, that was in uh, Sir JK's era, actually. Uh, this one is not, of course. Uh, this is uh, the Leon McDonald era. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, it hasn't worked to the extent. And you make a good point, actually, uh, about uh, the, the Nankervilles, the Thomas Umunga Jensen's of the world, who may well have, in the upper echelon with uh, that level of coaching, etc., that level of attention and opportunity, uh, may have been even finer players than they are now. Uh, quite an interesting uh, thing to, th- to think about. Uh, Jeff has come in and said, often a bunch of us at North Waikato College would uh, wag school for the afternoon and drive to Pukekohe in a standard 10. 
just to see big winger Pat Yates being put away by Bruce Robertson. Great running rugby. Uh, that was a team. The county's back in those days. Don't worry about that. Uh, Kevin has said, morning, Smithy. Sad loss of Bruce Robertson. He was the best All Black centre he ever saw, yeah. Um, I, uh, he always looked in total control of his opponent. His swerve around a player was brilliant. His wingers were in heaven with uh, with Bruce inside of them, of course, just putting them away with overlaps. As I said, Smithy, he was simply the best. R.I.P. Great one. That's from Kevin from Titarangi. Yep, well, we'll be talking to uh, Mark Hinton after 10 o'clock. Basketball, and then we'll have a panel too uh, with Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley. Got a real focus on uh, basketball. We've got the sales NBL to talk about and the NBA playoffs and uh, what's coming up in there. As I tell you that, it is uh, Boston 112, Philadelphia 76 is 86 with just 25 seconds left on the clock with uh, all the bench players out on court. So uh, that has uh, been a, a really good story for the Boston Celtics winning Game 7. But uh, Mark, good morning to you. First of all, can we focus in on uh, the NBL, the Sales NBL? And uh, our Nuggets, uh, the SNZ Nuggets, uh, continue this unbeaten run. Yeah, what a fabulous season they're having. And uh, Smithy, uh, you've backed the right horse this year with them. Um, well, of course, they're defending champions. Uh, and they've just continued on their remarkable run from, from late last season. Um, uh, and really, no one picked them. This is the surprising thing about it. Um, I was involved in some sort of preview um, tips with various other people. And, and, and none of us were really picking the Nuggets to to feature this year just because, um, you know, it just seemed like their, their roster wasn't quite as strong. They were missing a few key components from last year. Um, other teams seemed to have gotten better. Well, what did we know? What a start they've made. Absolutely remarkable. And undefeated in a, in a really tight league to come out of the blocks um, and win their first seven games, 7-0, and eight, top of the table. And it's a South Island dominated NBL because the Canterbury Rams are hard on their heels at 6-1 and one. but absolutely fabulous start by the Nuggets and, and a lot of credit goes to that organisation and to coach Brett Matahari for the group he's put together um, and the way they play they're hard-nosed on defence, they crash the boards well um, you know, they, they play, they're playing the game the right way and they're continuing to just uh, um, kick butt and take names at the weekend they um, had a um, their seventh consecutive win was against uh, no lesser team than the Wellington Saints, a very good team. Um, as we all know, their sto- their story history in this league was the Nuggets whooped them 103-94 and kept things rolling. So um, yeah, you the SENZ Otago Nuggets are the team to beat, no doubt. Now, not that anyone picked it at the start of the year, Smithy. Well, the Rams is a good story too. Um, they got up uh, over the Nelson Giants, uh, 82-74 at the weekend, and they were on a nice roll. Yes, they are. And um, they have a really nicely balanced roster. Um, some good Kiwi players in uh, big man Ty Winyard, Max Darling, Taylor Britt, Walter Davidson. Um, some three good imports, two of them they bring off the bench. Um, just a really solid team. And as we know, with all Canterbury teams in the New Zealand NBL, they defend well. You know, they play, they look after the ball, they, they do the basics of the game well. Their problem, Smithy, is they're about to lose Ty Winyard, their big guy in the middle. He's playing really well, push off another double double at the weekend. Um, he's going to China to play in a big-money three-on-three league up there, um, and he's about to leave. I think he might have one more 
round to play and then he's going to leave. So how well the Rams sort of handle his departure, uh, who they replace him with, or you know, even if they can replace him, I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, it's going to leave a big hole in their, in their sort of team as they go into the business end of the season. So a few question marks around the Rams, but they're travelling very well. They're, they're knocking hard on the heels of, of the Nuggets and look the team to test them. But don't discount a couple of the Auckland teams, the Franklin Bulls mm. and the Auckland Tuatara. They're, they're travelling all right. You know, they've, uh, they're the only two other teams in the league with a winning record um, starting to get things rolling. The Auckland Tuatara have just got a a kid back from college in America, Cruz Parrot Hunt, um, uh, who will add a lot to them. Uh, they've got a nicely balanced squad as well. So plenty to play out yet, Smithy, and you know, injuries, departures, things like that, and one or two fresh names coming in, and of course a big name coming in down in Southland, Alex Pledger. Well, how good will it be to see him back in the NBL? What a great story that is. What a, a terrific story that is for that big man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For those who don't know, a couple of years back, uh, diagnosed with, um, you know, uh, colorectal cancer, um, and he's been through that battle. Uh, he was talking me through it the other week. Um, just a massive, you know, more or less a year of, of radiation treatment, of chemotherapy, of actual surgery to rip out the, um, you know, the, the bits that needed to be sort of <laughs> attended to. Um, and he, the, this young man is, uh, well, not such a young man anymore. I think he's 35, but this man has um, um, been through it all and, and decided now he's healthy. You know, he's been given the all clear from his doctors. He wants to, he wants to go out on his on his terms. You know, what a fantastic story. So he's going to come back for the Sharks. Big seven footer Alex Pledger. We all know him. The Chief uh, won championships with the Breakers. Uh, has been a great fixture for the Tall Blacks over the years, and he's going to come back onto the NBL courts and play his last season on his terms. And I think. Uh, It'll be dripping with emotion, Smithy, when he re- returns for the Sharks at the end of this month. It certainly will. It, um, I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It is, uh, it is a terrific story, as you say. You were a bit worried about uh, where the Saints are at? Um, traditional slow starters in recent years. Um, so they're, um, yeah, you, I, I think they've made a little bit of a correction, Smithy, um, and I think they'll probably... You know, work their way into that top six. Where do they sit now? They're um, two and five uh, uh, in the tight league, with six uh, is three and four. So they're really only one win off getting into that top six. And as we know, get into that top six, you know, you're a chance. So um, they've they've sort of upgraded their roster, but they're not playing the basketball that that they need to just yet. But you never count the Saints out. They've got a got a got a good group of guys there, headed by some strong. Kiwi players and the likes of Toei uh, Smith Milner, um, Tom Vodanovic, uh, and of course Isaiah Leafa's come in. So they've got a good group to work with. They're sort of still figuring out a few things. Um, I expect them to be there or thereabouts at uh, the business end of the season, but um, they don't carry the sort of momentum that these southern teams do. So they're going to have to find that over the back half of the season. Rightio, uh, just as an overall perspective, um, Mark, I, j- I just wonder with uh, the Bay of Plenty Stingrays coming in, Queenstown due to enter the comp uh, next year, um, if the import levels stay the same, do we have the depth to sustain the standard uh, of the NBL? Well, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Um, there's, there's 10 teams at the moment, and you have to say it's a, pr- it's a very good league. This is the way Justin Nelson's designed it. 
Um, and I know he now works for Sky, and he's not part of the uh, official league now, but effectively Sky run the New Zealand NBL through their sort of partnership. Um, and, and the way Justin's desi- designed this league, uh, it, it's all about parity and, and competitiveness, and and, and and all those sort of things that go into what makes you know it's what makes the NRL so good. Um, you know, on, on their day, the bottom team can beat the top team, all that sort of thing. And I think that we've got a New Zealand NBL like that. So to add two more teams to uh, the mix is going to be a risk. There's no doubt it's going to dilute the New Zealand talent. Uh, it, it can't help but do that. And it's going to, you know, and, and is there the money to go around to fund another two teams? You know, there's a lot of question marks. It's a, it's a risky move. But you look at where they're going into, two growth areas of New Zealand. They want to take the game to the regions. Well, Queenstown and Bay of Plenty are two strong regions in New Zealand now, aren't they? So, um, you know, you like the fact they're getting the game around. There's a lot of up, up, upside to it, a lot of positives. But just the doubt will be whether the New Zealand talent is there um, to, to cover two more teams. We don't, we, you know, we don't want this league to be diluted. It's a good, strong, balanced league at the moment. So, yep. Some question marks, but you can see the upside to why why they're expanding. They're going into two exciting areas to take basketball, uh, you know, the NBL to. Right, uh, let's uh, head overseas if we can, Mark. Uh, a lot of yes. uh, eyes on uh, television this morning. And the Celtics absolutely blitzing the 76ers, making no race of it, putting it to bed pretty early on in the piece to confirm their matchup uh, with the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler and co. So how do you see that game going? Uh, well, it was a, it was a real um, beat down in Beantown, shall we say, today, Smithy. <laughs> a game, you know, the, what do they say? The two greatest words in American sport: Game Seven. It just it, it just didn't eventuate as a contest because the Celtics took this one over in the third quarter. I think it was fifty-five all early in the third, and then the the uh, Celtics just went on an amazing run, um, thirty-three ten third period, and just put the. 76ers to bed. We, we won't, we're not surprised about this. I think this was the Celtics' fifth, or this is now their fifth appearance in the Eastern Conference Final in the last seven years. You almost expect them to be there. Um, they're a very good team. But they were down 3-2 in this series, and, and if you remember last year, they were down 3-2 against the Milwaukee Bucks and came back to win it. So, but, you know, they've got a history of, of kind of coming through these tight moments. And so today's result probably was expected. In a way, uh, there was high hopes that Joel Embiid and, J- and James Harden could lead the 76ers um, into the Eastern Conference Finals, but it just never eventuated. Jason Tatum was incredible, 51 points. I think that's a, uh, <laughs> beg your pardon, a ga- uh, NBA record for a Game 7 scoring outburst. He just, if you, if you remember Game 6, Jason Tatum missed 11 shots in a row and was... Um, his first 11 shots of the game and the uh, Celtics were struggling and then he came right just when it really mattered and and started to make a few shots late and got them over the line to win game six to send this to game seven, then comes out in game seven and gets 51 on um, uh, just an incredible performance by one of the NBA's best best players, uh, uh, Jason Tatum, anyone who knows him. Um, what was he, uh, 17 to 28 from the floor, 6 to 10 from three, just could not miss at one stage. 51 points, incredible. A storied franchise, the Celtics, and no one's ever scored more in a game seven for them. Um, no one's ever scored more in an NBA game seven than this today. So um, wonderful performance. You know, these big moments bring out great performances, and today's was one of them. And you have to make the Celtics a heavy, heavy favourite to win the East now. Miami's, uh, both Miami and the LA Lakers, who are in the Western Conference final with um, the Denver Nuggets, uh, both 
Miami and LA have come through the play-in tournament to make the conference final. So that shows you the success that has had. And if you think about where, um, you know, uh, where both Miami and LA have come from this year, LA started, the Lakers started the season 2-10. and 10, And at one stage it was 13th in the West, and here they are in the Western Conference Finals. So a um, couple of great matchups, but I, I make the Celtics heavy favourites to beat Miami, although Miami have that toughness about them. Jimmy Buckets gets, does get buckets. Uh, it mm. looks like the Celtics are just too well-balanced for them, and then uh, I make them the favourites against the Lakers. I'd love to see a Lakers-Celtics finals. brings back memories from the 80s and um, those wonderful series that they were involved in, but um, I, I, I would not be surprised at all to see Denver behind the wonderful uh, Nikola Jokic, a player you absolutely have to watch because he's got the most uh, unique set of skills I've seen in the NBA for a long, long time. Um, I, may, I, I think Denver, a Denver-Boston final will be something special, and I think that's probably what we're headed towards. Ooh, interesting prediction there. So I, I do, I do think uh, Jokic will uh, will have his way against Anthony Davis, but there is that LeBron factor. I, I just think Jokic's physical strength and power um, is just uh, anywhere near the rim is just going to be too much, I think, for Anthony Davis. Yes, and they're a very well balanced team, and they're very hard to beat at home. Denver um, playing at altitude, they're, I don't think they've lost a game these playoffs at home. Um, they had the, the uh, best record in the in the Western Conference, um, so they're very hard to beat at home. That's going to be tough for LA. And just the Lakers are—it's been an incredible run they've been on, coming out of the play-in tournament to then win their series against Memphis, and then um, uh, in, in the semifinals, uh, they've they've their role players have really stood up. Guys like Austin Reeves, um, Lonnie Walker the fourth, um, you know, Rui Hashimura has had a big game. So LeBron and AD are getting the support, but can they continue against a very well-balanced Denver Nuggets team? I mean, Jokic is playing incredible basketball. You talk about his strength and his size, and, and it is amazing, but probably his biggest attribute, Smithy, if you watch him, is his touch. Inside, he mm. makes these just a series of little runners, um, little open sort of shots from about 10 to 15 feet. It, he makes them look um, just routine when they're really hard shots, the absolute touch shots. He just makes, you know, sort of 80% of them. Um, incredible player. Um, and also with it, a great passer and a tremendous rebounder. Uh, I think he's had three or four triple-doubles already these playoffs. Just in, um, just making it happen. So, yeah, I, AD, Anthony Davis uh, neutralises Jokic a little bit. I think he's probably an ideal to go, guy to go up against him because he's long and athletic and big enough um, and quick enough to probably stay with him. But um, Denver's supporting cast is very, very solid, very solid. They've got a, a Jamal Murray, a, a guard on, uh, you know, he's come back to his very, very best after a couple of years plagued by injury. So mm. I just give Denver the balance and the depth of their squad and, and that home factor, um, I think, is probably going to see them home probably in six in this series. Great. Uh, great analysis, uh, Mark, I can tell you. You really love your, your basketball. Um, fantastic um, to have you with us uh, this morning, summing up those things. Have a terrific day, and thank you. Yeah, no problem. No worries, Smithy. See you, mate. Cheers. Uh, Mark Hinton there with a really in-depth look at um, those playoffs coming up. And, of course, a great review of uh, the Sales NBL where we're at at this stage. Still relatively early doors there, uh, but there are some trends developing, and notably uh, the Nuggets at the top and uh, one or two of the sides uh, just battling a wee bit with their uh, rosters.
It's 10.18. We have a panel coming up next. Te Roa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Graham Beasley with us this morning and uh, Andrew Gordy, uh, of course, um, John Kerwin, uh, Sir John Kerwin, uh, Andrew Gordy has said it's in everyone's best interest now for uh, Roger Tovasashek to be released back to rugby right now. Uh, wasn't in the blue squad to face Crusaders at the weekend. Signs uh, or the writing on the wall there for RTS. Do you agree with Sir John? It feels like it, doesn't it, Smithy? Um, I, I, I do agree with him because, look, if, if the whole point of Roger remaining in rugby is to see out his commitment to his own goal, I suppose, which is to play for the for the All Blacks at a World Cup, I think the writing's on the wall here and there's, and there's I think there's a pragmatic pragmatic step to be taken. The writing on the wall is that you can't play for the All Blacks at the World Cup if, you, if you're not good enough to... Sorry, not good enough. If you're not being selected to play for your super team. It's as simple as that. Um, there's, there's no way that just to justify that selection from Ian Foster's point of view um, if, if Leon McDonald can't justify having him in his match day squad. Now, look, there's still... Several weeks of this competition still to go. This situation might change. We don't know, I suppose, exactly what um, is going on behind the scenes at the Blues. But you'd like to think that maybe questions are being asked. Um, because if, if Roger knows what his future is now, we all know what Roger's future is, and he can help out the Warriors this season, then I think it's in everyone's best interest to at least ask that question. Um, I suppose the other point this the significant point to ask, ask here is, can the Warriors actually get him? Um, can they afford him? Uh, do they have room in their salary cap to simply add him to their roster this year? Um, that's the other big part of this equation for me. So, yeah, lots of questions that need to be answered. Mm, OK, Graham Beasley, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I think the last point that Andrew made is the, is the key one, is whether, whether the Warriors can, can fit him under the salary cap. For the rest of the season, I suppose. I mean, I was hearing you talking to Jeff Wilson earlier on. There is the issue of the Blues wanting him there as cover um, in case someone goes goes down with injury. So I can see that that would be one reason why they may not be keen in letting him go. Um, but I suppose the compromise there would be he stays with the Blues until the end of um, Super Rugby. So that's what another four to five weeks. Um, assuming the Blues don't make the final, um, and then maybe he goes over to the Warriors at that stage, and you know there'd still be a significant chunk of the um, of the NRL season to go, um, you know, at the um, at the start of June. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it is a great debate. I've got to say, um, of all the text, um, the texts that come in, I would say Roger Tuivasa-Sheck and the issue around him and this uh, selection and all sorts of things would occupy, I'd say, a third of them. There you go. That would be my conservative guess. Bring up RTS and you get um, response in there. Um, Graham, what about this uh, wonderful um, sprinting sensation, um, Zoe Hobbs, gone under the 11-second uh, barrier again. Admittedly, it was uh, wind-assisted, um, but uh, very, very impressive. Um, and uh, we can see her, I think, confidently say we can see her in a 100 metres final at the next Olympics, surely, the way she's going. Um, it's a great story, isn't it? And, and as you say, she just does seem to get better and better the whole time. Um, you know, every every meet she takes part in, she seems to 
be improving your times, etc. And yeah, imagine having a New Zealander in a 100 metres final at an Olympic Games. It would be quite a highlight, really. I mean, I think it would be a bit much to sort of hope that she might get a medal, but I think to make a 100 metres final at an Olympic Games would be a real um, uh, highlight in uh, New Zealand sporting history, really. I think it's, uh, it's, 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 it's such a glamour event. It is that well, it's it's not quite the blue ribbon event. Um, I'm not sure what is now in the Olympics, but uh, would be an interesting discussion in itself. But uh, Gordon, um, you'd be very interested in this uh, young lady's progress. Oh, absolutely, Smithy. Uh, I think everyone should be. I mean, what she's the sort of performances she's putting in on the track, and and I and I should reiterate, consistently putting on and on the track. You know, none of these are. None of these are just out of the blue performances. She's she's consistently putting it together, which suggests that um, she's obviously got you know outstanding technique, explosiveness, um, and, and she's delivering at, at the very top level. And you know, as Graham says, I mean, it would be absolutely sensational to have a New Zealand athlete uh, in a 100 metres final at, at an Olympic Games. That would just be incredible stuff. And and you know, especially given you know, New Zealand's rich history when it comes to especially middle distance running, um, to then have someone branch out uh, in the track and field world and, and show show their ability in, in this format uh, of athletics would be just, yeah, something something really special, I think. And, um, yeah, who knows what she might be able to achieve um, in Paris in a year's time. It's, um, yeah, very exciting stuff. Right, Andrew Gordy with us this morning and uh, Graham Beasley. We'll take a, a very quick news break and when we come back, uh, I'm going to talk, uh, and we haven't put it on the menu for these two guys, but super rugby coaching appointments, shall we say, or people eligible to fill the positions. How many will we need? That's becoming very, very interesting. It's uh, 10.30 here on SENZ. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, our panel this morning is uh, Mr. Graham Beasley and uh, Mr. Andrew Gordy and Mr. Andrew Gordy. Uh, I'm not quite sure um, if you've uh, given this a heck of a lot of thought, but you might have. Okay, so we need three super rugby coaches. We know that uh, going into next year, it seems anyway. Uh, then, of course, uh, you've got the scenario where Aaron Major is uh, and Mayana Pacifica are, are pretty much going nowhere. Three points already so far in the competition. Then you get the fifth one of uh, in, in New Zealand as such, and you look at um, the positioning of uh, Clark Dermody's Highlanders, and they're at this point unlikely to make the playoffs. So Clayton McMillan's a given. What are we looking at here? This is a massive uh, job, I think, for New Zealand rugby to find possibly five replacements. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic that's emerging here. Um, and and I do sit here and wonder whether this is a concern for New Zealand rugby at all or whether they can afford to be concerned about it. And I'll explain what I mean by that. You know, we, we had these stories a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, about Dave Rennie obviously turning down the Blues to head to Japan, Jamie Joseph. And I don't necessarily think that anyone was expecting that Jamie Joseph was going to come back to Super Rugby, um, but he obviously then committed his future to Japan. You have a lot of, of IP and experience uh, among the New Zealand coaching fraternity who are now applying their trade in Japan. Now we have a situation where Scott Robertson um, is obviously leaving his post and he's, he's hoovered up two other 
super rugby coaches um, to be part of his All Blacks team. And, and I get that. Like, New Zealand rugby, on one hand, must look at that and go, that's exactly what we want. We want, we want our coaches flying their trade at super rugby level, betting in, getting that experience, and then taking the next step. Because we were openly critical of that, weren't we? But there seemed to be this idea that coaches had to go overseas, and, and, and then New Zealand rugby would hire those, those coaches to be the All Blacks coach. So we can't sort of be critical of it on one hand, but then, you know, wring our hands uh, when, when the very opposite occurred. But... There is a vacuum there, isn't there? And and you sit there and you wonder who is going to fill those vacancies. Now, you know, I'm sure you naturally are going to look at at the next tier down, the NPC level coaches, because that's effectively where every single one of these uh, you know current Super Rugby coaches has come from, haven't they? Um, and mm-hmm. you know, Clayton McMillan did it, Scott Robertson did it, Leon McDonald did it. So who is to say? that any of those coaches aren't going to be capable of making the step up. There may not be the sort of big names, I suppose, um, sitting among them like, you know, sort of Leon McDonald or Scott Robertson, you know, these former players who achieved or, or really excelled at super rugby level, won multiple titles and played for the All Blacks and things like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean um, that there aren't great coaches sitting there. Or like, I know there is obviously a huge rap on Tamati Allison, um, particularly down there at the Crusaders. I know he's obviously got the Wellington job. When it comes to the NPC, I wouldn't be at all surprised um, if he became the next Crusaders coach. Now, whether other other franchises decide to head in that direction as well, and essentially from promote within the New Zealand rugby system, um, will be very interesting to see. But I do wonder whether at some point, if, if the situation gets desperate and there isn't the confidence uh, among the franchises or, or at New Zealand rugby level, I suppose, whether they might need to dig into their pockets to attract some of that premier talent back. And I sort of, I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, um, coaches of the ilk of Robbie Deans or, or Jamie Joseph, Dave Rennie, Wayne Smith, those sorts of characters. You know, they, they've sort of been there, done that. I don't think they need to come back and do that. But there are other coaches um, who you might say haven't achieved uh, at the pinnacle level of the game yet that are sitting um, applying their trade in Japan. You know, whether New Zealand mm-hmm. rugby might look at that situation and go, can we lure one or two of them back? Because not only would we like them at super rugby level, but we'd also like them to be in the conversation when it comes to ultimately one day um, replacing Scott Robertson. So I think that might be something they, they will have to think about in the not-too-distant future. I, I agree. I, I think it's, uh, all of a sudden uh, the exodus might be greater. Graham, what do you make of that? Yeah, well... Um First of all, I'd say that the Chiefs must be pretty short favourites to win um, next year's Super Rugby title, really. I mean, you know, having, having the established coach who's been so successful and really seems to have um, uh, got that team humming, and with all the other New Zealand teams likely to have new coaches, and I agree that I think there could be five changes. Um, I think the Crusaders will be fine. They'll, they'll just poach whoever they want, and, and they'll keep on chugging, but... Um, but the other um, the other franchises are, are really going to struggle. I was actually talking to this with some people on um, Saturday afternoon, um, specifically for the Hurricanes. The obvious person to move up there would be Crowley, um, having taken Wellington to the double last year. But he's he's on the farm. He's you know he's he's, he's got his feet up. He said he doesn't want to coach anymore. So um, I think they'll struggle to to drag him out of retirement. So then, as Andrew says, you know you, you've got to start looking overseas really and. Um, trying to bring people back and I agree that they'll be new people not not the likes of Joseph and Rennie etc so um, yeah it, it, it certainly is going to be interesting times it, it seems as if the Blues are, 
uh, um, already actively looking at it. I don't really see so much that the other franchises are. Um, and whatever happens at the Highlanders and Moana Pacifica, I mean, boy, it's, um, they've certainly got to make some changes, I would have thought, in both of those franchises. Yeah, I um, just had a text in from Craig, actually. Is uh, any reason why uh, the Super Rug, uh, the All Black assistant coaches, particularly this season coming up, whether they can't remain with their particular franchises? I'm not quite sure that uh, that is the brief within uh, All Black assistant coaches. I think they've probably be uh, sitting at a lot of games alongside Scott Robertson, I would be imagining, and uh, trying to work through plans. But uh, we'll see. Um, but it, uh, it might be more than three they're looking for. I think it's as plain as that. Right, uh, let's have a look, Graham, at um, who you think may well be um, a nice candidate to, to replace David White. And what's, for you, the David White legacy? OK, to answer the second question first... Um, when Robert Muldoon came to power in the 70s, he said that his objective was to leave the country in a better place than where he found it. Now, that comment may not have aged that well, but I think that's a good way of judging um, a leader's performance. And if you look at the state of New Zealand cricket when David White took over, they were basically bankrupt. Um, the Black Caps team was particularly dysfunctional at that stage. You know, they had the... Remember that guy Little John that was hanging around the team for a while? There was a whole Andy Moyes, player power and all that kind of stuff. It was in a pretty desperate state, really. Um, and and he's left it in a much better state. You know, they're, they're now financially sound. They've tied down some long-term sponsorship deals. Obviously, the broadcasting thing, there's a bit of luck to a certain extent that he's now got three years of free-to-air coverage coming up. Um, and during that period... Even though the white ferns didn't go so well, but the um, but the uh, but the black caps, you know, extraordinary um, tenure really. Um, you know, winning the World Test Championship final, making three white ball finals, etc. So, um, you know, it was it was a good period. So I think he can be pretty proud of what he did. Yeah, you know, there are a few hiccups along the way, obviously, but um, it was yeah, it's a it was a positive era. As for someone to replace him, I really don't know. There's no obvious candidate to me. Um, I heard someone suggesting Roger Twos, um, yeah, because he comes with that sort of business background. Um, so he could be a possibility. I think he's pretty close to New Zealand cricket as it is. Um, I don't think they should go back to Martin Sneddon. I think, yeah, again, it's it's a bit like those rugby coaches that we're talking about. I don't think you want to go back to the future sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, there are no real names that um, that are leaping up. Someone just uh, suggested Lee Jamon in my ear. In fact, we had a text the other day. He's uh, with New South Wales. Uh, it'll be interesting, Gords. What have you made of the situation now? Yeah, I, I think this is really, really interesting. And I, and I think New Zealand cricket is under a great deal of pressure to get this next appointment right. Look, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and wax lyrical about um, David White's performance. I think he's, you know, he's done a reasonable job. He didn't get it all, he certainly didn't get it right all the time, but I think on balance he, he's done a reasonable job. The biggest challenge they're going to have about when it comes to replacing David White is the fact that he has been in the job for such a long time, and, and, and New Zealand cricket has seen the benefits of that. David White, the one thing I w- will say that he's done very well is he's established very, very strong relationships uh, with the key uh, other other nations, I suppose, particularly India. Now, when it comes to future tours, uh, there's some some of the big boys. You know, when we're talking about England, India, Australia, and whatnot, there's some there's some countries that they just don't really bother going to, but they do come to New Zealand. 
And that comes down to relationships. That comes down to deals that are done essentially in hotel bars and, and, and that sort of thing um, because those relationships are strong. And if you look at the New Zealand cricket picture at the moment, you've got David White, who's obviously been the CEO for the last 11 years. You've got Martin Smith, who's the chairman. He's obviously got a very rich history in the game as well. But he's, as, as Graham quite rightly points out, he's been in the game for a long time, and you can't necessarily imagine that he's going to be in the game for an awful lot longer either. And then I suppose the other key sort of administrative, uh, if I can put, use that word, figure in the game is probably Heath Mills. And, you know, he's closer to the end of his... Uh, tenure as head of the Players Association than, than the start as well. So you've got this situation brewing where a lot of experience and IP, some of the previous conversation we were having around coaches, are getting ready to walk out the door. And that that could create a very concerning situation for New Zealand cricket. And I do think it will mould um, the, the, the characteristics and the experience of the person who comes into this role next. I don't think they should necessarily go for someone who has uh, a great history necessarily in business outside of sport. Um, you know, it won't work getting a, a business banking CEO, for example. And I don't necessarily even think it will be worth chasing a CEO who's been successful in other sports. They need a cricket person um, because they need someone who's going to be able to pick up some of those relationships or be able to call on um, those relationships from from, I don't know, sort of previous positions. And that's why, I've got to be honest, uh, Lee Jamon was actually the first person that sprang to mind for myself because he will have relationships that certainly exist within Cricket Australia at the moment and further afield. He's obviously a former player himself. Um, so I think that sort of person uh, could, could, could come in handy, I suppose, for, for New Zealand cricket. Um, the only other person that actually sprung to mind who... who who exists within the current sporting framework, I suppose, um, is Adam Lee. Um, he's obviously sort of a young, up-and-coming CEO um, with the Hurricanes. He's worked for World Rugby, um, but again, he's light on cricket experience. But, yeah, sort of coming back to that point, I think they are going to need someone who's got that cricketing experience. And, for, and again, sort of for that reason, coming back to your point, Graham, I know why you say perhaps, you know, you don't want to go back to the future... But even if Martin Sneddon was seen as sort of a short-term fix um, until they had someone within the organisation who they could then get to ascend to the CEO position may not be the worst idea. Yeah, I think he could be interim. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he could wear both hats, chairman and CEO, if uh, if needs uh, needs must. But uh, I think they, 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 yeah, they do have to... Uh, branch out a wee bit and um, consider a lot of options after such a long tenure by David White. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. Andrew Gordy and Graham Beasley have been our panellists this morning. Uh, excellent stuff. Thank you. Uh, I'll try to have another panel uh, tomorrow morning and at some stage uh, during the week. It's 10.44 here. To help you succeed in your field, summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah, texts have uh, been coming in good, uh, really good this morning, uh, and uh, excellent ones at that double eight double three. A number of subjects um, and a lot uh, rugby based. Uh, Barry from Christchurch says, uh, "Look, uh, I went to the Crusaders versus Blues clash on Saturday night. It was a great atmosphere, but as a Crusaders fan, I left feeling underwhelmed. We were always going to win the game as we dominated possession and field position, but we tended to overplay the situation. We had four lineouts on their try line in the first quarter and didn't drive any of them." 
Uh, this is usually an area we dominate. We need to simplify and execute better as we get closer to finals footy. Uh, Barry from Christchurch, nice observation there. Uh, Richard has said, uh, Smithy, the two best league converts in recent times, Thorne, that's Brad Thorne, and uh, SBW, of course, Sonny Bill Williams. The two worst, Benji and RTS. Uh, of course, the, the rugby league convert, uh, rugby league converts at, at that point, the, both uh, Thorne and SBW went originally to the Crusaders. And then uh, Benji and RTS, of course, uh, gone to the Blues, say no more. Would have been great to see RTS in the back three where his instincts would have made his transition far more successful instead of practically uh, learning from scratch for a midfield role. It's a huge frustration as a rugby fan not to see him excel as he probably should have. Um, and uh, Simon from the Bays, Simon says, everyone is saying RTS is a failed experiment. I disagree. I've enjoyed watching him. The reality is we should never um, have let uh, Nani Laumapi leave New Zealand rugby. Very, very interesting. It is uh, 10.51. Uh, we're going to have a catch-up with uh, Paul Mawadi prior to 11 o'clock. After that, we're going to be talking to uh, Scotty Sattler. Um, Scotty will be uh, with us from Australia on uh, the last round of NRL action. Of course, uh, Scotty Sattler has a vested interest in a few sides, um, notably the Panthers, where he played 118 times, and uh, of late he finished his career with the West Tigers at 22 time so uh, over 200 games in all uh, very experienced we'll have uh, Scotty's opinion on how he sees things uh, in the NRL after 11 o'clock betting at $12 and then there's a drop down to Brooks Kepka and Patrick Cantlay who are both paying $21 to win the PGA Championship the best back so far Scotty Scheffler has his fans as does uh, John Rahm um, but there's a wee bit of money for Brooks Kepka who uh, um, just fell away in the final round of the Masters uh, last month. Mm. And Justin Thomas, who's $23. So there, there's a good spread of money in that PGA Championship outright book. Of course, the NBA's on at the moment, and we've got our Western Conference and our Eastern Conference finalists, um, the LA Lakers. There they are. They're $3.90 to win the NBA Championship. Uh, the Nuggets are at 3.30. The favourites, the Boston Celtics, who had to go to Game 7 against the Philadelphia 76ers earlier this morning, but they came away with a fairly easy victory. They're now the favourites. They're $2 to win the NBA championship. The Miami Heat are at $13. Who's looking for a Celtics-Lakers NBA championship final? One, <laughs> the sort of finals we used to see back in the 80s. Um, it'd be great to see with LeBron James playing very, very well, of course. Uh, Jokic and the Nuggets will have something to say about that. Of course, the first game in the Western Conference starts on Wednesday, and the boys have already got the odds out for Game One. Uh, the Nuggets, their favourites, a dollar forty-four. The Lakers, two seventy, uh, and their five and a half point favourites, the Nuggets. The total right now, two hundred and twenty-two and a half. Paul Mawadi, thanks for that, um, and you know, really uh, detailed uh, report on what's going on at the TAB. Yeah, plenty of options coming up. Uh, we'll be more on the basketball before Wednesday, but it's rugby league we focus on after the break with Scotty Sattler out of Australia. Covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone And I've made up my mind I ain't wasting no more time I'm just another heart in need of rain 
right, it's 11.03 here on this side of the Tasman. It's a little earlier where our next guest is. Uh, round 11 of the NRL is delivered again with another cracking round of actions, kicking off with the Storm taming the Broncos in Melbourne, the Bunnies going top of the ladder with a masterclass against uh, the Toiling Tigers and our very own Warriors getting the wagon back on track with a much-needed win against uh, desperate doggies in Sydney. And joining us now to uh, break down uh, the weekend's action, that was another beauty, is uh, Scotty Sattler. Scotty, of course, a uh, vastly experienced career of 13 years, uh, basically playing our league at the top level. And uh, of late, uh, towards the end of his career, the Panthers 118 games and West Tigers 22. Scotty, good morning to you and thank you for your time. Hey, Smitty, I was just going to say, that's very rock and roll of you, that um, that song that comes back from the, the segment. Very rock and roll. What? Well, I, I saw you down in Queenstown, and I kind of figured uh, I couldn't give you a tame sort of intro. It had to be something with a bit of punch, a bit, you know, a, a something with a bit of rhythm, but a, a bit of blast as well. Mate, if, if anyone would have seen you in Queenstown for those couple of days, uh, if I had to put a song to, to a Smitty to explain your actions over two days, uh, it'd have to be Akadaka. Like, you were just, you are out of control, so... It's good to be with you. Yeah, and, and I had a heart attack. I had a heart attack two days later after that too, just by the by. <laughs> right, let's let's have a look at let's have a look at some of this uh, action over the weekend. Uh, beginning, of course, uh, with a pretty classy encounter on Friday night, which was the Storm and the Broncos, and the Storm continuing the Broncos' misery in Melbourne. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the Broncos have been going great. Um, this is going to be this is one of their. their First true tests, I suppose, against teams that are used to playing against, yeah, playing in really big matches, big marquee matches, the Melbourne Storm. And the Broncos haven't had to really travel away from southeast Queensland. They've had Magic Round, they've had the Cowboys, they've played at Suncorp. They went up to Darwin for a game against Parramatta. But outside of that, um, they haven't had to travel too much And in the first 11 rounds. And uh, to go down to Melbourne, uh, I, I've got to say, the Broncos convinced me that they can still win the comp even though they were beaten by the Storm, because uh, they had some contentious calls against them. One that sent Pat Carrigan, one of their best players, of the sin bin for 10 minutes for a uh, hit drop tackle, which he was was not even fined or looked like going to be suspended for. So some contentious calls over the weekend for the, um, for the NRL and the Broncos, I felt, you know, they were... Yeah, they were pretty hard done by. But in saying that, the Melbourne Storm were really professional. So they just keep proving that everyone that they're never going to go away, the Storm. They can ill afford to lose uh, Adam Reynolds uh, long-term, stretch it off uh, in a neck brace. Have we heard anything about that? Yeah, from all reports, Smitty, he's going to be OK. He hit his head really hard when contesting for a ball uh, it, 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 when it looked like a trial was going to be scored. And um, everyone thought it was going to be a concussion, but it wasn't. He, he lost some feeling in his hand. I think it was his left hand, so it was... From looking at that, it looks like it may be nerve damage in his neck that's gone down his, his arm into his hand. So there's uh, there's a belief that he may be all right. So it's not a head knock. It's not something that's, um, that's head trauma or concussion. And I'll just assess it throughout the week. But there's a chance that he may play next week. Scotty, um, we're pretty happy to see the Warriors get back on track. The Bulldogs aren't uh, the biggest scalp in the competition, but... I'm not sure the Warriors were ever really, uh, particularly when they established that lead, any and any danger of being run down. Yeah, you know, they've been at the start of the season. We predicted our most improved teams, and I said the Warriors based on the one their recruitment. I thought it's been outstanding, and two the coach Andrew Webster. I just know from 
the guys, the people that I know at Penrith who speak so highly of his, not only of his coaching, but his relationship with the players. So it's it's no surprise that they have improved greatly. Now, we went through a little bit of a lean patch there for a couple of weeks, but in saying that, have um, have found a, a level of consistency that has not usually been attributed to the Warriors over the years. And the inconsistency I mean is that the ability to defend for long periods of time, which which the Warriors have never been famous for. It's always been about, let's see how many points we can score in a short amount of time. But it's also on the you know, continued you know, improvement of, of um, some young players that come coming through the grades. And then you've got the really good recruiting like Ford and, and Sean Johnson's been outstanding. He's been amazing. And I've always been a huge fan of Josh Cullen. So it's a lot of those players now that, uh, a lot of those youngish sort of players that have now sort of got a fair few first grade games under their belt. And on the back of that, Sean Johnson's just showing this 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 great form that that saw him win a golden boot. Now a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, he's been he's been scouted by other NRL clubs. I hope he doesn't leave. I know he's on a, only on a, a one year contract, but in saying that, I just think the Warriors and Sean Johnson go well together. And I, I'd hate mm. him at 32 have to go and try and restart a club. It takes too much out of you emotionally when you're 32 going to a club that's really struggling. Um, to start again, uh, I, I hope he stays at the Warriors for another year. If you had uh, a few of the head coach, if you were Andrew Webster, and you know you've got uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek coming to the club uh, next year, maybe a little bit earlier if things go well, I, I just wonder where would you put him in? Bearing in mind that uh, Shans Nogal-Clockstad at fullback has done a hell of a job this year. Outstanding, been one of their best players, but you're also getting one of the best players in the world back into your side as well. So you've got to find a position. I'd start him on the wing. I would start him on the wing initially, um, or maybe in the centres. But in saying that, I, I feel as though that he naturally has to drift back to that, that position of fullback. You need to put him where your opposition don't want him, and you don't want him at fullback. But I think just a drip feeding back into the game. I know he hasn't been away for a long time, but you do pick up some bad habits when you go to rugby and then come back to league and vice versa. So I think I would start him probably on the wing first, and then eventually moving back to, to fullback. Because I think Charles Nickel Cookstow would make a, a terrific centre. I think he'd make a really good centre. So I think they could they could um, work their magic there with, with Andrew Webster. He thinks outside the box, Andrew Webster, which is what I, what I like about him. So I think eventually RTS will be at fullback. But I think you, know, you don't have to do it overnight. Just looking at uh, one of the big games for the weekend, which ended up being just an absolute thrashing. Uh, the, the Panthers, which you, you had a history with, the Roosters, you had a bit of a history with as well. Um, and all of a sudden you look at the table and you think, OK, here we go, Panthers back where they belong. Um, but the Roosters have issues, it seems, with that scoreline. Massive issues. Uh, players that have yeah, been some of the best in the competition, Smithy, who are really struggling for form. James Tedesco, probably most notably. Um, young Joseph Suwali'i, who is going to rugby, of course, um, in a couple of years. He's playing in the centres, which is probably not his natural position at the moment. Um, but it all comes back to primarily their forward pack. And their forward pack are, are getting dominated. Uh, they're not physical enough. And uh, the other sides are, are really running roughshed over them, to be quite honest. Yeah, this Panthers side really haven't clicked into gear. And Take that scoreline from the weekend out of the, out of the equation. They really clicked into gear, but when you look at their defensive record, they're, they're the best defensive team in the comp by the length of the straight. So if people are starting to question about whether they can win another comp, losing the players they have, and saying they can't do it, well, they probably need to look at how good they are defensively, because defence wins your comps, and they're already there. So 
Uh, but the Roosters have they got some problems, yeah? and and they they didn't emerge when they dropped Sam Walker. They were starting to emerge before Sam Walker um, was was dropped down to second grade. So yeah, he's in a knee brace now. He's going to be out for a number, probably another three or four weeks. Joey Manu's now injured, so um, they can't really rush Walker back into the side. So they're really just going to have to scratch and crawl the best way they can. Trent Robinson's really going to be you know tested as a coach and. Um, what he can do to get the best out of his teammates. But um, what he's got to say to his forward pack is, you're not the forward pack that's dominated you know, this competition for a number of years, since 2013. You've got to, you know, you've got to stand up and, and be counted because if you, if you stand up and, and dominate your opposition forward pack, that's when the likes of your Luke Carey's and your James Tedesco's and your Sue Lee, that's when they, they're able to play at their best. So it all comes down to your, your front line. If your front line gets knocked over, well, it doesn't matter what's coming coming in behind, they're gonna get they're gonna get swamped as well and that's what's happening with the roosters at the moment. On the basis of what you're saying about a number of uh, key players who are just up finding the form that they should have uh, this far into the competition, what what are you thinking in terms of state of origin then? I mean, will there be some very interesting selections um on either camp? Well, I I don't think there'll be any surprise from Queensland point of view, because I think winning the series last year, it pretty much picks itself. Um, and with New South Wales, I think, you know, even though there's some players that are playing out of form, you got to remember all four Queensland sides are sort of in the top eight or teething around the top eight. So they're all in form, a lot of the Queensland clubs and a lot of the players that play for those Queensland clubs. Um, but for New South Wales, a lot of out of form players. Good part about Origin, Smithy, is, you know, players like Tedesco who aren't playing well, they get to Origin and they find form. Because they're around other players that are that have probably got the same mindset as well. So, you know, the Origin can play players into form, and you know, Tedesco always scares me as a Queenslander, even though he's not playing well at the moment. When he gets to Origin, he'll go to another level. That's what Origin does. It draws out, it draws out every little bit of expertise you've got in your game. So, um, New South Wales, I think, I think they'll have a few surprises. I think I. Yeah, there's a, there's a big back row playing for Manly called uh, um, Halim Olakuatu, a, a big second row, and everyone's been touting him to, to play Origin this year, his first Origin. But then yesterday in the game at Brookvale, in front of the coach, Brad Fittler, who's sitting on the sideline for commentary for Channel 9, misses a horrible tackle uh, on a Cronulla player to score, to, for the Cronulla player to score a try. And in front of the New South Wales coach, and the team's going to be picked next Monday, You've got to be better than that if you're going to play Origins. So I think we're going to be surprised with a few of the selections uh, from, from New South Wales. Right, OK. Um, you've obviously uh, had um, quite some time with the Tigers as well. Or, uh, and I just uh, wonder what you're making of them now. There's uh, all sorts of rumours uh, about the coaching setup. They even go back as far as the boardroom. Uh, and they were blanked by uh, Latrell Mitchell and co. 20, 20 nothing at the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, you know, they have got a, a few questions that have got to be asked, I suppose, at administration level. That's first and foremost. I wouldn't be concerned about the coaching uh, setup they've got at the moment, which Tim Sheen's overseeing uh, you know, Benji Marshall. Benji's going to be a very good coach, a very good coach. Uh, what they've got to get, do at the moment is uh, the, people have got to have patience. And with the Tigers, unfortunately, they haven't played finals for so many years. Your, your patience can only go so far. But under this current regime with Sheen's as head coach, I've worked with Tim Sheens. I've known him for a number of years. I've got a lot of respect for the man. I know that he likes to play the long game when he's in charge. And, and with the long game with Tim Sheens, he'll get it right. I know he'll get it right. It's just 
you know, we're trying to get through this this real teething process with this new setup of the coaching scenario with Benji, who's trying to take a lot of the reins. He's just got Tim sitting overseeing him at the moment. But the problem is they don't have a they don't have a, a, a general manager of rugby league, Smitty. They don't have a lot of that person that's overseeing the rugby league department. That's where the head coach gets pulled into a lot of those areas and he doesn't need to and he just needs to be focusing on coaching and, and recruiting and, and not worrying about operational issues and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a couple of areas that they've got to fix up off the field. On the field, they're trying really hard. Unfortunately, they just don't have that, that polish. They don't have that polish to, to finish up potential opportunities and, and they're stuck in the... the they're logged into a few a few contracts, Smitty, that they can't get out of at the moment. But over the next sort of eighteen months, I'll start to weed a few players out, and, and hopefully have the you know have the nows to be able to recruit some really good players to add to the ones they made over the over the off season. So, you know, I know a lot of people look at the the NRL ladder and see that they're sitting last, and go, "What are you talking about?" But I, I have faith in Tim Sheens and Benji that they'll get it right eventually. Unfortunately you can't have a lot of more patience with the Tigers because they haven't played finals for so long. So, you know, mm. I'm, I'm the eternal optimist when it comes to Tim Machines. Good. It's nice to hear, actually, and uh, particularly your comments about uh, Benji Marshall. Uh, the other side that uh, is making a bit of noise at this stage, uh, the Sharks, they won away uh, to uh, Manly at the weekend, 20-14. to 14. Um, Nico Hines is um, playing some absolutely superb rugby league. Does he get a job for the Blues? And where do you see the Sharks as contenders? Well, I, I, at the start of the year, maybe I, I had the Sharks in my top four. And if you're in the top four, you've got a chance to win the comp. And it's as simple as that. And the competition changes then. You've got to then have the ability to think like a finals team, prepare like a finals team. Don't prepare like you have throughout the year. You've got to go to another level of intensity. And, and some teams have it, some teams don't. And with the Sharks last year, they were disappointing to be bundled out straight sets last year. So they'll learn from that. And I think if they make the top four, they're definitely a, a premiership contender. They've got to really tidy up their defence. They're leaking too many points. Uh, but they've got the Dalian player of the year, Nico Hine. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether Nico himself can go to the next level and as a and be a player that can turn his team into a finals contention, grand final contention team into getting to a grand final. And with, when it comes to origin, he's in the box seat. I think at worst, I think at the absolute worst, Smitty, he'll be picked in a number 14 jersey. I think he'll play that utility role. A lot of people are saying, oh, you'll waste him as a utility. I, I don't agree with that. I feel as though that for a kid that's never played origin, to play him at number 14 allows him to come into the game, inject himself with all that, that great enthusiasm and energy that he's got. And I think he can play a crucial role for New South Wales. At worst, he'll be 14. At best, he'll wear the number six jersey, I think. And But I think uh, I think they'll pick the Penrith combination of, of Luai and, and Nathan Cleary as well with, with a couple other players from Penrith and, and form those combinations. That's the reason why they're going so well at the moment. So, But with Nico, at worst, I think he'll be a 14, a utility player. Scotty Sattler, absolutely brilliant for us to, to help us out this morning. I, I love your comments and um, the in-depth nature of them. Uh, wish you all the best, mate, and uh, hope we catch up again at some stage in the future. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Anytime, Smitty. See ya. Yeah, champ, man. Thank you. Uh, Scott Sattler there uh, out of Australia for us uh, Yeah, with his wealth of experience uh, in the game. And uh, nice to hear uh, those thoughts uh, about Benji Marshall in particular because uh, the fingers are pointing, aren't they? They're just saying... Uh, the transition, uh, of course, is not easy to go from player to coach, particularly if you're a young coach, because uh, a lot of the players still regard you 
as that as a player so to jump straight into a high profile position like that even albeit under Tim Sheens not an easy thing to do and then when your side is struggling people start to point the finger of course it is coming up to 11.20 here on SENZ Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out yeah, some interesting stuff uh, on the sports decks uh, as we head across to uh, Ricardo this morning. Uh, I'd, I was going to kick it off with uh, this Ja Morant story, and uh, of course, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last news bulletin, but this is a guy, a young guy, he's 23 years of age, who was suspended uh, back in March for eight NBA league games. This, he plays for the Grizzlies alongside Stephen Adams. I, I understand Stephen Adams has been trying to do some work with this kid, but whoever is, he's not listening because... It appears that over the weekend, uh, footage of uh, him again was circulating on social media uh, in a car with a friend. It appeared that uh, he was briefly holding what appears to be a gun. It's unclear whether the firearm is real or whether it actually belongs to Morant. doesn't matter who it belongs to as such. If you're brandishing one on social media, you're a dipstick, you're an idiot, and you get what you uh, what is coming to you. And it'll be a lot more if they find him guilty, a lot more than eight games I'll tell you. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Smithy, because when I first saw this, I was like, okay, you're in America. You can buy guns at Walmart. What's the big deal about being photographed with a gun, right? That's That was my initial reaction. So I thought there must be some more context we're not getting from this headline. And you read into it, and like you say, yeah, he's driving along, singing to a rap song, arm out the window, gun in his hand apparently, which is a whole different thing from just being photographed with a gun. So uh, this is a young guy acting stupid. I mean, he's got the world at his feet in terms of basketball. Uh, He's not a gangster, as far as I'm aware. He's not a rap star, as far as I'm aware. He's not not shooting a music video. I'm not sure what he's up to, mate. He he needs some some help. He needs some people around him, uh, and he, he needs to grow up. Well, he does need people around him. That's the key. I'm not quite sure what his family situation is, whether he's uh, in a happy situation there or whether he is so easily influenced by other people um, and what kind of people he's mixing with. Uh, he's obviously mixing with people who carry guns. I mean, you know, uh, you know, to nightclubs and things like that. It, that is obviously the, the mix in his life at the moment, which is um, it's making it easy for him to do these things rather than people turning around and saying, mate, that's just so stupid. Just such a stupid and disrespectful thing to do. Yeah, well, and then the other question is, why does he feel the need to carry a gun? You know, I mean, has, has he been has he been threatened? Is he worried about his safety? Or is this all about image? It's about image. That's all I can think, especially when you see the latest video, uh, which I've just watched, actually. It's about image uh, and forgetting exactly who you are. Right, let's uh, move on to... Uh, a bizarre baseball subject. This is you often see this possibility of this happening, but this is a bad one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Ryan Feltner, the uh, Colorado Rockies pitcher, uh, pitcher yesterday had his skull fractured and is in hospital with a concussion as well. He's uh, not going to need surgery, apparently. So he's he's probably gotten off a little bit lightly, but he he threw a pitch at Philadelphia's Nick Castellanos, who fired it basically hit it straight back at him, hit him in the head at 149 kilometres per hour. What? Straight, well, of course, they don't have any protection. I've seen in softball, uh, uh, girls uh, and women's softball and uh, other sports where the pitchers do. In fact, in women's softball, they do in America and the college system 
the pitchers wear masks for this very, very mm. reason. It's interesting that um, um, whether anything will come of that. I mean, uh, the chances of it happening are pretty slim. Um, but the, the circumstances, if it does happen, are pretty drastic, as you can imagine in what you've just talked about. I, I can't imagine it being a thing in baseball. Maybe at, uh, at that level, I've done about Little League. I, I don't recall them when I watch the Little League on American television that the, the pitchers, even at that level, wear it. Uh, no. There wouldn't be that much power in the bats, the batters either So at that age, but... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, I mean, you know, if you think about uh, the United States and what we know about their system, is you know, people get sued all the time. So, I mean, if Major League Baseball does do anything about this, it's probably going to be off the back of somebody like Ryan Feltner suing the Major League Baseball for not having a safe workplace. Mm, absolutely. Uh, anything else? Anything uh, else? There? Well, there's something that I thought might catch your attention, actually, Smithy. Um, and this is the official world golf rankings. Um, now, l- the thing that's been, I guess you would say, holding Live back a little bit, Live Golf, is that none of their tournaments are um, recognised um, in terms of world golf rankings. So you can play in them, but you don't, don't earn any ranking points. And what the knock-on effect this may have is, at the moment, you're getting live golfers still appearing at majors like at Augusta, right, because of their ranking points. That's why they're there. They're going, hey, we're just taking the top-ranked golfers. Um but if they continue to play on the live tour, they're not getting any ranking points. So they're going to drop out of that top 160 or whatever it is. And then they're not going to be able to play Augusta. They're not going to be able to play the majors. So one thing that Live Golf have been trying to do is uh, get official world golf rankings. But uh, there's a story in the mirror out of the UK uh, basically saying that as uh, an official from the official world golf rankings, one of the board members has said they've not heard from Live Golf or Greg Norman in weeks. So I'm not sure where this is going or what it means for the future of live golf or the golfers that play in it. What it does mean for the initial future of those players being able to qualify for um, majors and get exemptions to play in that is uh, not good news because every time uh, they play in a tournament where the rankings don't count, they fall further backwards uh, to all those conventional PGA players whose performances do count. And so uh, there's only limited numbers. Uh, if you're a, fe- a former champion, you're probably safe for that particular event. Um, um, like you know, a, a former a major winner like a Kepka or a Garcia or uh, or those type players, Patrick Reed, who have won in the past, Dustin Johnson. They'll have exemptions into those tournaments that they have won, those majors they have won. Outside of that, they'll be losing ground 100 miles an hour. And the interesting thing for me that I took from that is that um, it takes a long time for these things to get adjudicated on, work through a system, can take up to a year. You can lose a lot of points in a lot of places in a year. Yeah. Ricardo, I can promise you that. You can, but it's mate. 11th, and on that subject, of course, Jason Day winning this morning and getting himself a lot of ranking points, uh, former major winner himself in uh, prime form going into the PGA this weekend. Right, it's, uh, it's just after 11.30, uh, actually. We'll hear from Araha when we come back. Uh, we'll stump Smithy for the first time uh, this week, and you probably will. It's uh, for 50 bucks. Um, we wish you all the best. 0800 150 811. Uh, Quizmaster will be, uh, of course, uh, Ricardo Ball. And uh, Brian Bradley, uh, who writes a lot of these questions, incidentally, uh, will be taking your calls. And if you've got issues with the questions, now's a good time to have a crack at Brian. Off air, that is. Off air. 11.32. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. 
Right, uh, we're up for 50 bucks. Uh, first uh, start to uh, this particular week. Um, and uh, Friday, I think Louis lost, so uh, that was no good to us. Uh, I think Louis will be back uh, tomorrow to have another crack, maybe. We'll wait and see. Uh, but uh, who have we got lined up this morning and uh, what are the subjects? That is the best question and the, uh, the questionnaire uh, to this morning uh, is, uh, of course, Ricardo. Yeah, we've got Mike from Christchurch first up. G'day, Mike. How you doing? Uh-huh. Might, might help if I turn his mic on, his phone on. There we go. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, uh, how you doing, bud? Yeah, good, guys. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, what are your strengths, bro? What are your strengths? What do you like? Uh, I'm a bit of rugby league and rugby, typical. Okay, all right. Well, we might have something for you, mate, because here are your options. You can go basketball, you can go the round ball code and football, or you can go rugby. What do you want to do? Um, I'll go rugby. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go, Smithy. You primed? You ready? Poised. Poised. Poised at the ready. Poised at the ready. Here is the first question for you, Mike. New Zealand Warriors centre Rocco Berry is the son of a former All Black. What Super Rugby franchise did Marty Berry play for? Um, I'm going to go with the Hurricanes. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yes, nicely done, mate. All right, yeah, yeah, you're nearly there. Well, you're you one question out of three. Here's uh, question two. In 1990, Englishman and all-black fullback John Gallagher switched codes to play rugby league in England. Which team did he sign for? Um, that's a toughie. Um, I'll go Wigan. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. All right, Smithy, how, how, how confident are you here? I, I remember him as a great rugby player. I remember when he changed, and I've, I'm not 100% sure here, but I think he might have gone to the Leeds Rhinos. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Nicely done, unlucky, Mike. You've been stumped. That's right. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Uh, try again tomorrow. All right. And now I think we have uh, Carrie from Manawatu with us. G'day, Carrie. How you doing? Yeah, good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. You've got one question, and you could you could take away a $50 TAB voucher. Here it is. One of the biggest cross-code stars to play rugby, Sonny Bill Williams, joined Toulon in 2010 from the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs in a controversial walkout on the NRL club. He has played for three rugby league clubs in his career. Can you name them? Um... Roosters. Yep. Um, Bulldogs. Yep. And there's one more. And um, come on, mate. No, no, I can't get it. Can't get it. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, he's got the dogs, he's got the chooks. Which is the third rugby league club Sonny Bill Williams played for? Oh, God, I'm battling here. I'm, I'm absolutely battling here. The chooks, the bulldog. Who did you say the bulldogs? Yeah, yep. Canterbury Bulldogs. And oh, I'm going to say it's a Sydney team, so uh, we'll hang around Sydney. Uh, 
I'll, I'll go the uh, maybe had a a, a a glittering moment or two with the dragons. That's all One I can of say. The worst things I have ever seen done on a canoe. No, well done, Carrie. Uh, you've got the fifty dollar TAB uh, be- bonus bet. The answer is the Toronto Wolfpack, who played uh, Super League. They played in the league under Super League, then got promoted to Super League. So that was your answer. I, I knew it wasn't an Aussie team. Okay, yeah. very good. Well, it could have been the Catalan Dragons or one of those high-paying ones, I suppose. Mm. Toronto Wolfpack. Very clever, Brian. Very, very smart, that was. Okay, uh, Carrie, uh, you stay on the line and you can talk to your good friend, Brian, who just helped you out there. And um, <laughs> he, he, he can he can get through <laughs> that voucher, if you like. It's uh, coming up to 11.40. Uh, there's more texts uh, for us to get through after the break and uh, a couple of other interesting issues to chat about too. But, uh, yeah, uh, another winner, this time from the Manawatu as uh, Bill McLaren would have said. Congratulations, Gary. We've got a line-up at SCNZ that would terrify any NRL defence. Izzy, Kempe, Kirst, Beaver, Staffy, Clado, Smithy. Nope, no thank you. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It is mornings with Ian Smith here on SENZ, 16 away from midday. Smith, you got some breaking news for you. Fire ahead, fire ahead. I'm on tenterhooks. Craig Bellamy, the man that's supposed to be retiring at the end of the season, has just signed on to coach the uh, Melbourne Storm for a 22nd season next season. So he's going to coach through to the end of 2024. Ah, the man that Dean Lonergan calls bellyache. Yes, Bellyache, he calls him, yeah. That's him, Craig Bellamy. Well, why wouldn't you? Uh, after that convincing one at the weekend, and uh, they'll be in contention again, you know that. And uh, that was after an exodus of some senior players. So, Craig Bellamy wouldn't be the same the storm without Bellamy anyway, would it? No, it'd be it'd be weird. It was it'd have the same feeling as the Broncos when Wayne Bennett first left, right? Mm, yeah, it would actually. It's a it's a dynasty, and by God, he had some. Uh, Rugby league talent at his disposal, and he has used it well. Craig Bellamy, great news for Melbourne uh, league fans. Right, let's get through a couple of these uh, texts as well. Uh, Dean has said, totally agree with Jeff, uh, but the Brumbies are not that great. Crusaders will destroy them in Canberra if they get second. For me, that's a big if. I see the top four being the Chiefs, the Crusaders, the Brumbies, and the Blues. The Hurricanes fifth, simply because the Canes have a hell of a run uh, coming up. Uh, They've got the Blues, the Chiefs, the Crusaders, then the Blues again. Uh, Dean says uh, because he's slightly, I won't say slightly, very much so anti-Blues. Uh, I'd love for them to win the last game. Uh, Marsh is coming and said, uh, Marina, Smithy, Teradale going okay in the uh, Hawks Bay Rugby Union Nash Cup. Uh, what's happened to Havelock North? I think they're on a roll. I think they've won their last two in a row, Marshy. Uh, but the team that's going really well is Tech, although they were challenged right to the end by uh, Central over the weekend. Some terrific rugby being played in the Hawks Bay comp. Uh, Chris has said uh, everyone was doubting Messi before the World Cup as well. I think Bowden Barrett would be good at the World Cup. Ooh, put in, oh, I suppose you could put Bowden Barrett in the Messi category with Bowden Barrett twice. Twice, Ricardo, been World Rugby Player of the Year. Twice. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm not it. convinced. I'm, yeah, I think it's stretching it a bit, but, but to be honest. Just, okay, right. Yeah. We'll move. 
We'll move on down. Um, uh, Leon um, McDonald needs to come out and stop all the talk. What is the reason why RTS is not playing? Until then, we have to keep speculating that Sammy from Arrowtown, don't know, um, is he good enough to make the 23 at the moment uh, in Leon McDonald's thinking? I don't think there'd be any other reason why he's not picking him with there. Well, well, he's yeah. not going to be involved in Leon McDonald's All Black campaign. Well, he's not, and maybe that's part of the reason. Maybe Leon's going look got one eye on next season and go. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't expect Harry Plummer to be an All Black option, but he at least will be available for the All Blacks next mm, season. Hey. Roger Tuivasa Sheik won't be. That's an interesting one. Uh, okay, uh, Sammy, uh, we'll keep our uh, ears to the ground on that one. Um, Colin Cooper is coaching club rugby in Taranaki. I had no idea. Um, does he become an option? You bet he does. You bet he does um, become an option. So um, that's uh, an interesting one. Um, I can also uh, say I've had it on um, a little bit of inside information that um, Sevens coach Clark Laidlaw may be a candidate. Uh, so, um, of course, uh, um, the, the Blackfern Sevens, All Black Sevens, are triumphant at the weekend, again dominating. Uh, Clark Laylaw's probably taken that team as uh, far as he wants to and maybe he wants to expand to the 15s so uh, there you go perhaps uh, in the Wellington area Clark Laidlaw so we'll keep that as a a, a decent sort of rumour from a pretty good source uh, right okay let's uh, move along also uh, morning I think yeah, some close scrutiny must come on Leon McDonald his record is very poor and a major disappointment against the Crusaders not sure he's earned the right to go into an All Blacks role. That's uh, Brian while well, he's in. Uh, Brian, regardless, uh, is in. Um, and here's one which is uh, of interest to me. And uh, it came through while I was uh, talking to Paul Kent. Um, and, uh, no, no, not Paul. I'm talking uh, to Scott Sattler. And it came through about Paul Kent. Now, I had no idea about this, Ricardo. I've got to say, I've been out of the loop, obviously, clearly. Um, but this is uh, threatened to be not too good for Paul Kent. No, not at all. This came through on Saturday night. Um, police have charged rugby league journalist Paul Kent with assault after he was allegedly involved in an altercation with a woman at his home in Sydney's Inner West. Um, basically, he uh, they were ab- arrested both him and a 33-year-old woman, uh, taken to the Leichhardt Police Area Command. They spoke to both of them, and then she was released. Kent was then taken to Surrey Hills Police Station. He's being charged with common assault and choking a person without consent. Uh, he is temporarily ceasing writing for the Daily Telegraph and will not appear for Fox in the coming weeks. Not good. Not good at all when it gets to that stage and uh, you get to that far down in terms of the prosecuting side of things. I would imagine, uh, to answer your question, Rory, uh, knowing the people at Fox and how um, seriously they take behaviour of their, their talent, etc., uh, I would say, as you said, are we allowed to mention the Paul Kent story we just have? Um, because it's a news story as such, we've got no allegiance there one way or the other. Uh, if this is all true, his NRL 360 career is toast, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Absolutely, it's toast. Yeah, probably is. Absolutely, it would be toast. And no I, other way of looking at it. I think some people, uh, fans of rugby league, are reveling in this to an extent, which, I, you know, is, is never a great look. But because of Paul Kent's. Uh, journalism style, shall we say, over the last few years. He has certainly uh, pulled the covers over on a few stories like this of players currently playing the game. So I don't think there's a lot of sympathy out there for him. Right, OK. Let's get to another couple of um, texts. There'll be more news about that, I'm sure, in the coming months. 
Um, and I suggested that the Auckland Canterbury game was uh, littered with inaccuracy and being unable to complete by, complete by both sides. Bodie with his nothing poke kicks, giving away possession with his team fought hard to get any ball was ridiculous. I was soundly told off by Justin Marshall, but I know that what I saw, and so does the coaches of France and Ireland, respectively. Thanks. That's Wayne from uh, Carmo. Uh, yeah. Rightio. Um, and there's um, Smithy. This is the first uh, time in a long time Sean Johnson has played behind a good forward pack um, that go forward. Give him go forward. Um, well, it might be uh, consistently week after week, Mark. There's no doubt about that. Week after week, uh, even in defeat, the packs still go forward and they defend uh, like their lives are on it week after week. So no secret, they're back into the uh, the top eight. Um, we'll have a catch up with Staffy because uh, his show's coming up. I've seen him uh, immaculately dressed in the building, so he's uh, got his best bib and tucker on. Uh, and I must ask him, we've got a final uh, text about Bruce Robertson from Glenn. Might bring that up with Staffy as well.